Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life. I'm Ryan Pack, and this is a podcast where I interview a guest and we talk about a soundtrack that they feel personally connected to. Today, my guest is the Mary Jane Maven, host of the Menage with the Mary Jane Maven podcast, which you can find on Apple, Anchor, and many other podcast platforms. Uh, MJ, why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yes, yes. Well, first of all, Ryan, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited for us to, you know, to collaborate. And uh, I feel like we're, you know, we're, there's a synergy here that's going to create something that uh, a lot of people are going to enjoy. So I do want to thank you. And uh, hello to the listeners and to your audience. I am the Mary J. Maven. You can refer to me as MJ Maven. What it is that I do, if you were kind of like putting everything together, um, I am a cannabis entrepreneur. Uh, my brand is a cannabis lifestyle brand um, where it, it, it definitely just kind of puts together wellness. It puts together, um, you know, the, the power that I feel is behind the plant and what it can actually do for us as a society. Um, I definitely think that it can help to alleviate a lot of these social injustices and issues that we face. Um, but as somebody who utilizes the plant for health and wellness benefits. Um, I, well, I don't like to say I have it, but multiple sclerosis lives with me and I choose to use a more holistic plant-based, you know, what mother nature provided for us in my treatment. And not only as a health, you know, in the, uh, let's see, 14 years, um, since my diagnosis, it really helps me to be a better mother. Um, a better wife, a better friend, a more compassionate person. Yeah, it just it's just overall, it embodies who I am. And when I left corporate sales five years ago, um, and I decided to stop living in fear and live within my passion and purpose, I became an entrepreneur within the cannabis realm. So my brand encompasses education, events. I am a public you know speaker. I like to put together... I call them carefully cultivated cannabis experiences where people can come in and just learn about the plant because what we need is education so that we can eradicate all of the stigma surrounded around the plant. And uh, that provides people the power to elevate their lives and their wellness the way that they see fit. So my whole thing is, uh, you know, I'm the Mary Jane Maven. It is a lifestyle brand. And, um, our mission is to educate, eradicate, and elevate. And uh, something that goes so well with that, as anybody who is a connoisseur of music and of the flower power, as I refer to it, we know that those two things and kind of creativity go together very well. So music has always been a huge part of who I am. I pursued singing and a career in it for many years. And um, it's just something that I could not imagine existing without you know and uh, it's just it's definitely been a uh, music has just been a i want to say a like an equalizer in in you know everyday life for me it just kind of keeps everything moving slowly and together so yes so in a mouthful i am the mj maven and this is you know what I'm going to be doing and, you know, working with and talking to Ryan about. We're going to be having this relationship based on awesome music. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your story. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. So today we are going to talk about the 1993 Richard Linklater film, Dazed and Confused. So MJ, why are we talking about Dazed and Confused today? It is, it is everything to me. So I, we actually hung around a, um, a couple of ours, a couple of friends of ours this weekend. And we were just talking about movies. And once we got on days and confused, we all just like lit up and we're all talking over each other. There's, you know, our husbands and then two wives just like cackling, you know, just talking about all the great 
parts of the movie and what it really says to me, I believe that I was definitely born in the right, um, you know, era, but if I could have just, if, if I had a magic wand or a time machine and I could go anywhere, um, within, you know, our history, it would definitely be to that time, you know, between 73 and I'd say 78. It was just such a cool kind of laid back. I think life was at its easiest and it really allowed, you know, teenagers to be teenagers. It allowed young adults to be young adults and the music, I mean, the music is just everything. And it was one of the first movies that my husband and I, we really bonded over. And uh, yeah, when we bonded over that, I was like, I think I'll keep him around for a while. So that was, uh, that was in college. And now here we are just a few years later, but it is, it's always uh, something that if, you know, we're kind of just sitting around and just like this, you know, during the pandemic, we've been watched pretty much everything. So once we've completed a, you know, a series, what else are you going to do if you just want something on and something that you're familiar with and days are confused? It's always a go-to, always. Yeah, I mean, I love it's it's a movie about hanging out. <laughs> like yeah. that's it's literally just one day of just a bunch of teenagers hanging out. Yes, and somewhere I would love to be. And I can't tell you how many times in college we played a drinking game to Mitch touching his nose. It's you know, it's just it's it can get you uh, pretty intoxicated because he touches his nose an awful lot in that movie. But it's it's a great film, and if anybody had the pleasure of catching the table read that they did for charity and they put it on YouTube a couple of months ago. If you saw it, then you know just how awesome it was. If you haven't, please go and catch it. It, it was great. Oh, I totally missed that. I'd love to see that. Yes, it was really good. I, I mean, everybody was back. They had a couple people fill in for the smaller roles that weren't in the movie, but it was really cool to see, you know, everybody 20 years later. Um, and trying to just slide back back into their roles. It was great. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Unfortunately, I'm sure not everyone aged gracefully, but, oh, you know, it's such a great yes, you, That's actually what my sentiment was when I was saying that. But it didn't want to come off too, <laughs> too catty. But, yeah, some of them, it looked like my husband and I were like, Ooh, they've had a, a really rough life. Yeah, and you could tell that, it was probably a lot more fun and everybody was just, uh, got along more when they were younger. There's something going on, you know, in the years since the, since the movie filmed that you can tell there was a little bit of animosity between some of, of the actors, but it was good. It was, it was, it was just, it was really good to, to see and to watch. And I, this is a movie that we do not, and I'm going to put this out in the universe. We do not need to reboot it or remake it leave it alone that's just leave yeah. it how it is <laughs> yeah i agree i 100 percent agree it's perfect the way it is um it doesn't need to be re rebooted remastered um yeah. you know and it's one of those it's one of those movies like you can't change anything about it or it becomes a completely different movie it really does. It really does. I mean, if somebody wanted to be inspired by it and to make a period piece or, you know, a time period of like the 90s with kind of the same storyline, not the same people, you know, not not anything other than just the idea of it being, you know, in a time that's, you know, just a couple decades ago and a time that you can really enjoy the music. Because I would say that that time, the 70s and early 90s. Um, especially with, you know, alternative and grunge, the music and, and the feeling, the emotion would be very much the same. You know, you'd be able to just kind of be very indicative of what that movie, you know, what it says to like us and, and what it makes you feel like. So, yeah, I could see that. I, you know, we can put that out in the universe. But other than that, let's just leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. To kind of bounce off that, the soundtrack of this movie like is perfect. Like if you change one song, like I feel like everything else changes. Like mm -hmm. it's the songs are used. I wouldn't say, I don't think they're like clever, but it's perfect. I mean, just the best thing is, you know, when they are getting out of school and slow ride starts, I mean, that just sets up an afternoon and you, you're kind of taken back to that last day of school in the summer. And, you know, 
most of us got out early. You had like a minimum day. So you're getting out early. Your parents are kind of like, whatever, see you later. You know, and you're just like, what are we going to get into? You know, it was just such the antithesis of what it was really like to be a teenager and have that last day of school, you know, and, and trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do for the summer? It was perfect. I mean, every time I hear, you know, the chords begin on it, I'm like, okay, I get chills, you know, and I'm like, here we go. Here we go. So you're absolutely right. It, it was, it was, you know, it was like a, it was very subtle, you know, as far as the, the cleverness and when it was used. Um, but I think you also have to be very, very in tune with, you know, music and be a fan of music for that all to come together, you know, for you. But it is, uh, you're making, you're making me want to watch it. I'm like, I want to put it on TV uh, right now. But yeah, it's, you were absolutely right. It, it's, it, it couldn't be done any other way. You know, they couldn't have taken any of the music from, um, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Cameron Crowe's movie. Um, Almost Famous. Thank you so much. It's like one of my, I don't know how I forgot that. But that move, the music that was in there couldn't have been in, you know, in uh, Days of Confused different, you know, times of, of, uh, of the years, but that created that certain storyline and that emotion for almost famous and everything that was chosen for days and confused really just put days and confused and a nice little bow on it. Like it just made it everything that the title of the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you change the Aerosmith song at the beginning to a different Aerosmith song, it's like a different movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Completely. You know, I think Richard Linklater as a director doesn't get enough credit for how good he is with working with music in his films. You know, like I think a lot of people will point at Cameron Crowe or Wes mm-hmm. Anderson, like those are the music movie guys. But I feel like Richard Linklater is so good at balancing that. Like even even in his most commercial film, School of Rock, like I don't think people mm-hmm. realize how hard it is to make that sort of story good. And to not make it cheesy. Um, right. Yeah, you're you're right because we have um like uh Seth MacFarlane. It's obvious he's a huge Broadway musical guy, but when he utilizes it, it definitely can become over the top and cheesy. You know, or you know, you get the feeling like, well, he just wanted to be able to perform. You know, um Right. This is done from the the mindset and from the viewpoint of a music fan. And who's someone who I feel like I could probably sit down with and go, do you hear the song? And it takes you back to the certain time. And he goes, Oh yeah. One, 1000%. So I think that's where, you know, his genius comes in with it. Quentin Tarantino is also someone that, you know, is, you know, very much a, a music fan and his, you know, his songs that he chooses for his movies. I mean, fits, you know, the, the whole theme of who he is, the quirkiness, the weirdness, the, you know, that this and that. So he's also somebody that is very, um, you know, intellectual and very good at it, but it's something that's put in the forefront. It's something that people like, you know, herald him on, or they right away, they're very excited about the soundtrack because they know that's something that he's put time in. Like you said, you know, uh, this director, he, I've never heard of people giving him that credit or him being asked in interviews, you know, about how he went through that process or how involved he was. So yeah, it would be, if I ever got to sit down and have a conversation with him or, you know, I would definitely, that would be my biggest thing is tell me why this song, what this did for you. Do you have a personal experience with it? Um, Cause I think that's what makes music awesome. You know, that's where people become passionate about it. Yeah. It, in this movie, it's believable that these characters listen to these mm-hmm. bands. Mm-hmm. Yes. 1000%. Like if they were listening to like the Eagles, I feel like it'd be like, oh no, these that that's not legit. Like these kids would not listen to the Eagles at all. Like anything like that, they wouldn't have listened to. And I'm not sure if they were out at the same time, but the the band from like Canada that was out at that time. I think it was Cream, was it? That was out at that time. Um, Cream's from the UK. The UK, okay. So they just it wouldn't have been the same. Another show that I mean, I, another creation that I love that's based in that you know that same era is. Uh, that 70s show. So I could never see them listening to like maybe some of the music that was, you know, that was portrayed in that show. I think they would totally laugh at somebody who played ABBA or, you know, or something like that. But um, 
yeah, you're right. These these are kids that you know they Leonard Skinner. You know they were about the kind of good old American rock. Is you know is how I would classify it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like I I I think um I think the director is from Texas, so I just kind of assume that the kids that this movie takes place in Texas. Yeah, I would think so too. It definitely reminds me a lot of the town from like Varsity Blues and Friday Night Lights. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, it's very indicative of that, you know, especially because, you know, football rules everything. And we saw how big of a part of the storyline that was, you know? Right. So yeah, that's, I'm very, I'm, I'm loving that I'm learning that from you this evening. Um, it, it just kind of makes it, it just puts an extra cherry on top. It makes it that much more of a jewel. Yeah. And I love that, you know, the movie doesn't end with the decision of whether he's going to play the next football season. It's still left open. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the end. Of, that's not important to the film. No, not at all. It was about them coming, you know, to age in this one day period, but just kind of, you know, coming to terms with who they were going to be expected to be within the next year. And if they were prepared for that and and it was kind of like, you know what? I don't even really want to worry about it if I'm prepared for that right now. I just want to go and have a kegger and, you know, <laughs> and really abuse without really abusing some, you know, incoming freshmen. But that was even cool because it, it wasn't like they, you know, they they messed with them. And then it was like, oh, you're fresh, you're fresh meat or you're a loser and then didn't talk to them after that. It was kind of like, hey, now you're one of us. You know, you're cool. And let us, you know, show you how fun high school can be and how this whole, you know, this whole trip can be. That's, I really love that about it. And that's what our friend and I were saying this weekend. I was like, I would have been the meanest girl. I would have definitely been telling some, you know, girls to squeal like little piggies. I would have been that. I would have been that in high school. (laughs) But yeah, it was, uh, it, it just makes me smile when I think about all of the different, you know, aspects of it. I mean, Ben Affleck, hello. (laughs) The biggest asshole. The biggest asshole ever, and probably one of the best cameos that I think I've seen in a movie in years. And he was showing how kind of versatile he was, even though it didn't take that much to be an asshole. Because around that same time, you know, Dogma, and, you know, he was kind of really blowing up. But right. um, I thought the, you know, the obvious yin and yang of Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck just stood out. You know, it. If you're looking for it, if you're, you know, trying to find the, the good guy and the bad guy, the guy that's older or, you know, the, I don't want to say the loser guys, but the guys that never leave town, the townies, you know, how you can find one that's just like, you know what, this is life. I'm good with it. You know, I'm going to chill. And knowing that the director's from Texas and kind of, you know, what we just kind of came up with about it, possibly being in Texas, that completely fits uh, Matthew McConaughey's full vibe. Like everything. He's just so laid back. I mean, other than that, you know, being super high, he's just super laid back. He was fine with who he was. He was fine that he had a nice city job. He was okay that he was hanging out with high schoolers, you know. Whereas Ben Affleck, he definitely, without being a little man, he had a little man's complex. And you know, I definitely knew guys just like that in high school. I grew up in a, went to school in, in a rural town in, in Northern California. FFA was a cool thing to do, and I was an FFA for a bit. And you know, we Garth Brooks was played incessantly, and um, and football was huge. So I definitely knew, you know, a, a couple of characters just like each one of them. Did you know that Matthew McConaughey wasn't even supposed to be in the movie? I did hear that during the table read. Oh gosh, it was the guy from How I Met Your Mother, and I can't remember his name right now, but he was the like the MC of the of the table read and he said that and like some of the other actors didn't even know like they you should have seen their faces they were like what and yeah Matthew McConaughey was just like yeah you know but it worked out it is what it is I could have never seen anybody else in that role I just can't imagine it have you heard of who was supposed to be him did they already have it casted or so they for budgetary purposes and that's that's straight from Wikipedia. From budgetary purposes, they just wanted to hire like some local kid. Mm. And McConaughey was at the University of Texas at the time. Yes. He was grabbing drinks at a hotel bar that his friend bartended at. 
and he heard that the casting director was at the bar having a drink and the guy um i believe his name is don phillips he also casted fast times yes. at Ridgemont High. Yes. so he's the yes, one yes. that he's the one that casted sean pennis bacoli that's so they did kind of talk about that because there was a fast times reading as well so both of those are on youtube they did give that little trivia yeah that's crazy that i mean being that casting director you know who's probably like whoa did this just happen twice like am i striking lightning twice right now because i remember um that matthew mcconaughey said he went in there and he kind of took on that persona of spicoli but in his country kind of laid back you know i i bail hay but i also you know can kill a few beers that's that's i remember him saying that's it was his mentality kind of going into the conversation. That's really cool. Like that's, that's an example for people just to show you how crazy life is, you know, and how coincidental it can be. But yeah, that, uh, that was a win. Like I said, just like, I don't, I could never seen anybody else playing Mitch. You know, I, they casted everybody perfectly. I, I just think it was that casting director did a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. fantastic. Really the director good. thought McConaughey was too too handsome for the role. Yes, yes, he said he needed to be a little, you know, he wanted him to be shaggy or he wanted him to look like he maybe, you know, got up early in the mornings and tended to cows, but then, you know, played football in the afternoon. And, you know, as we know Matthew McConaughey now, he is that individual. I mean, he, you know, plays drums and, you know, takes a peyote and you know, he's he's just kind of all over the place. And then there's just a fantastic actor as well. So that was a win. That was definitely a win. That I'm glad that whoever convinced the director to just kind of look past all those rugged good looks. It was a good choice for sure. I mean, it, come on. It's been copied on Family Guy, like that whole scene. So, you know, it's, you know, it's a <laughs> it's part of a pop culture for sure. He also improvised a lot of his lines. Mm-hmm. So that's basically who he is right like that yeah. is just matthew mcconaughey yeah <laughs> we always say you know my husband and i we, we speak in movie quotes and songs song lyrics so you know we we always say you know do you have a joint that would be a lot cooler if you did you know or just i always picture him just standing out front of the you know the pool hall and his awesome monotone mauve-esque pinkish outfit that he had on that only he could pull off and just the energy coming off the screen like it makes me want to be there it just literally makes me want to be there you know makes me want to hop in his car it makes me want to have you know some marijuana if he asks if i have any it's just yeah it's it's one of those roles that i will always if i ever met him i would totally fangirl and just probably you know vomit all of the lines from the movie at him I would think anybody would say that's probably one of their favorite characters of the movie. Yeah, I mean, he's so charming in that movie, and he says some pretty awful things in the movie, too. He really does. does. And you kind of just go, oh, well, you know, that kind of fits. And he has such a small part, but made such a big impact. Right. Yeah. It was really, really good. Jeremy London, you know, he was really hot at the time. I remember thinking, I believe it's Jason. Jason, there you go. It was the other one. Yeah, yeah Jeremy's a like, look at me. Um, yes, he, yes, he uh, is the one that is a little more, um, he's a little more arrogant. I think that played into the movie, even though he was kind of supposed to be like laid back and be the cool guy. And if there were to be like an in the future, I could totally see him going into the army, like after high school. That's kind of where I saw that character kind of going because he didn't want to, you know, do what everybody else wanted him to do. But like I said, during the table read, he came off a little arrogant and you would think that he was like some, you know, classically trained actor from England, the way that he was kind of like coming off to everyone else. But he's still, you know, I, I definitely know most of, well, not, no, I know all of his lines. He's still one of the ones in the movie as well that, that makes the movie. Who's the, and then the guy that wears overalls, that's how we always refer to him. Oh, I know who you're talking about, but uh, yeah. I don't know I don't know the name. Yeah, I mean, we, we see him acting now, and we're like, oh, that's the guy from Days of the Views. Like, he's 
probably one of the ones that has stayed the most busy, you know, since that film. And he was an asshole, but I, I don't know. It was just something about him. Like you knew that, you know, it, it was just like all vibrato. Like it was just all for him to be just this, this football guy, you know, with his buddies. But if something happened that he would be very capable of a caring moment. I think everybody was developed and their personalities were developed very well for it not to be that deep of a movie, you know, for it not to be a dramatic um, film. And it also could be just because I've watched it a million and a half times and <laughs> we analyze pretty much everything that we watch. But um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to watch it and I would love for you to like contact me and let me know what you think. The girls all aged very well. I mean, the, why am I drawing a blank on everybody's name? The blonde, we were like, oh my God, she looks exactly the same. Oh, Joey Lauren Adams? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, my husband's just showing me all the, the cast right now. I'm usually much better at that. It's probably because it's right after the new year and we did a lot of celebrating. I always get her mixed up with Renee Zellweger. They do look alike. They do. I don't know if, uh, I don't know who would be impressed by that if you told them that they look alike because I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the I won't say the young lady, but the woman from Days of Confused, she's, you know, she's a little more attractive. But she, she looks really good. She looks really, really good. The, like, I would say the only thing that's kind of aged about her is just around her eyes, which is normal for, for women. But her, just like her voice is still the same. You could tell that they were really, like they had read over the script and they were, you know, trying to get back into the role because she was really acting. Like, and this was, everybody was on Zoom, you know, during the table read. But she was, she was really, she was giving it. So yeah, that was, she was probably my favorite. Cause she was, but she was also really sweet. Like she, you know, was that one that had a little, a little heart, even though she was the, the pretty girl, you knew she was supposed to be the popular pretty girl. She was the one that, you know, actually wasn't that mean. Right. Yeah. It was really good. And the freshman girl, she, wow. Like, I can't wait for you to see it. I didn't even think that was the same girl. I was like, they couldn't find the original character. She looks like she's gone back in age. Like she looks, she looks really good. And she kind of, and she played the role just like she did in the movie. It was really crazy to see her tap into her 14-year-old self. But yeah, it was, I'm so excited for you to see it. I just want everybody that, you know, that is a fan and that who hasn't, just take some time. It's about two hours. You can find it on YouTube. We're all staying shelter right now, so you have nothing better to do. Now, as we've been talking, I'm kind of like going through and downloading some of the songs, um, and I will be listening to them. And we'll be listening to them throughout the week, that's for sure. What would you say is probably your favorite song that's played throughout the film? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I I really I love Cherry Bomb by the Runaways. Mm -hmm. That's one of my I mean, I I just like that song in general. I you know, Joan Jett, she's uh she's so the goat. Yeah, I'm badass. She's badass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She started all the Pat Minotaurs and all the, you know, just women that were out like in the you know, eighties. Um, that were just like, hey, I'm running shit. I am that all my band members are men, but it's all about me. My husband's from, you know, the Bay Area. I'm from Northern California, Sacramento area. We grew up with just different musical influences. I love everything, like everything. My my list, if I, if, you know, if I just put on my playlist now, it'd go from, you know, Pop Smoke to Radiohead to um garth brooks for example you know it, it's just all over i music is just everything so when he, he and i got together he's like what are you listening to like what is this but this soundtrack is one that we could put on and you know we take road trips if i drive you know i get to choose the music i could put this on and he wouldn't look at me twice you know at any of the time like it's it's all songs that I think you've heard sometime in your life, whether it's been on a commercial, whether your parents have played it, whether you've been at someone's house. But it is timeless music. It, it, it's literally, it's just timeless. I would, gosh, it's hard for me to narrow it down. I mean, school's out. That's just, that's just always so good. You know, it's just, yeah, like I said, that just kind of puts everything together. But... I love Leonard Skinner. 
Yeah, so I, I think it's probably going to have to be, I think Tuesday's Gone would probably be my favorite on there. Um, I mean, if you if you say that you don't like Lowrider by War, I, I don't think I mean, you have a soul. Yes, like, and you've never been to a barbecue, you've never been to a park in the summer, <laughs> you've, you've never been anywhere where that song is blasted out of plenty of car stereos. I think even people, for them to hear Slow Ride, like if you said Bog Hat, people would be like, what? Who? Don't know who that is. But if you said Slow Ride, I, I think just from any walks of life that, you know, you could be from, if somebody sang a couple of, you know, of bars for you, you know exactly what the song was. You know, ZZ Top. I, I remember when telling my husband that Ted Nugent was singing the song, and he was like, wait, the, the gun guy who had the reality show all the years ago? I was like, yes, that's him. Uh, so knowing, you know, just because, like I said, I love music, I'm able to just easily pick up on, you know, who's singing and, and tell what the band is. We've had some great conversations. And like I said, when you're playing a drinking game while watching it, you know, that, that um, can definitely foster some great conversations, whether they're alcohol-induced or not. But it's, you can uh, kind of just go through and, play some of the songs. I mean, that's what I love about albums um, and miss about them is that you could sit and play, you know, and just sing along or read the, you know, the liner notes. And now you'd have to get on Genius or something else to find out the lyrics to, to certain songs. But there is something magical about sitting down with an album, opening the album cover, taking out the liner notes, and really just getting into you know, the art of the, the music. Yeah, I think it's, it's if, if albums weren't so expensive, I would probably start another collection. Yeah, that's exactly what I do when I put on a record. You know, it forces you to focus because mm-hmm. once that side is over, you there's no more music. Yeah, there, there's nothing. There's nothing there. I completely agree. I, I have the best memories of sitting down with my parents' albums. Um, the Police or, you know, this is all early 80s. So the Mary Jane girls or Tina Marie or whoever, and just the emotion that you get from actually reading the lyrics and then knowing that they had something to do with writing, you know, that song, it it just makes the experience that much better. And, uh, you know, any of the bands that played or, you know, the songs that were played in the movie, they were actually creating you know, they, they were playing guitar and they were playing drums and not, I love EDM and I love, you know, the technology and what that's brought into music, but there's just nothing like being able to hear somebody strum the guitar, you know, or somebody just really play their hearts out playing the drums and then being able to kind of just sit and read and sing along with that. It's nothing better. It's really, it's, it's a really good way to experience music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to add, did you know that Slow Ride, like the original version of Slow Ride, not the radio edit, is like eight minutes long? Yeah, and you know why I knew that? Because it was on Rock Band or Band Hero, the one we used to play. Yeah, it was that one and American Pie, which is also a song that is entirely too long. But yes, we, yeah, that that is how I knew. And I was like, I this song is, wow, does it really need to be this long but so much of it is the instrument the musical aspect of it which is pretty satisfying so yeah you make me want to kind of like go and find that one not the you know the radio version where they just cut it down and and play what you would hear on a commercial you know that's what they kind of play on the radio yeah yeah um actually i don't even yeah i don't think i could even listen to it on the radio I think I'd be a little disappointed. Radio's not as good as it used to be. No. Right. Yes. Um, so I, so the Foo Fighters did a documentary a few years ago mm-hmm. on HBO where they yes. went to like these different studios and they did this thing. They um, interviewed Dr. John when they were in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he told this crazy story about how, you know, back in the 60s, even though segregation had been you know, banished Mm -hmm. in different parts of the country. You still like white and black musicians were still not allowed to play together in new Orleans. Yeah. And so he was playing. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go right ahead. 
So he was telling a story about how he was playing with, I believe, Alan Toussaint. And the police came in and they basically beat him and permanently broke, uh, damaged his hand. Yeah. And um, what he told the officers after they start when they started to leave was, I'll see you guys back next week because Ray Charles is going to be in town. And I'm definitely going to be there. Yes. First of all, love you because Foo Fighters is like that is top five for me. Love them so, so much. And if you want to talk about people that just like bleed and just play and sing their freaking hearts out when they perform. Dave Grohl is just like the epitome. I mean, that man is just, he can get across any emotion that he wants throughout his voice. But yes, I did see that documentary. Actually, I watched it probably three or four times um, back to back because I loved him so much. But yes, hearing about just how much a lot of music was influenced by, of course, black artists and by jazz you know, musicians and um, the fact that so many of the big, you know, performers from the 60s and 70s were influenced by, you know, R&B and jazz and black music. They weren't ever, you know, it was very hard for them to collaborate or like, you know, like you said, to, to kind of be in the same studio. But then, you know, you this is why California and like San Francisco and, you know, hate and all that um, and where the Grateful Dead, you know, kind of where they just really created uh, their their glory and their fame while some of the best music has been recorded at some of these like hole in the wall studios in that area and it has a lot of really rich history and it, i don't want to say it's hidden but i don't think that the music industry itself really wants to admit that there was that separation and that they you know they held people like uh, Ray Charles, you know, they definitely, they hindered them. But if it wasn't for, you know, his perseverance, and if you guys have seen this, you know, the movie and whatnot, you saw what he went through to be able to become the, you know, just the genius and the legend that he was. But yeah, I, I love that that was showcased and that, that that story was shared because it just kind of, it lets people know how far you know, music itself has come because nobody would have ever even considered something like hip hop or rap being created or being a genre of music back then, you know, so they had to kind of go through all those struggles for us to be able to have the great music that we have now. Even some of it is probably not considered the greatest by some people, but yeah, you definitely have to, if you love music, if you're a musician, if you ever want to say that you live a life of like being passionate about music, you definitely have to know those kind of stories and you have to know the struggle that a lot of the, you know, the, the staples in the history of music, what they went through to be able to come those staples and, and those legends. I know Leonard Skinner said they were hugely, hugely um, influenced by Little Richard. And it's funny to hear them say like Little Richard and, uh, what's his name? I'm asking my husband because he's sitting right here. The Rins tape played. Yes. Frankie. No, not Frankie Beverly. That's me. Lemon. Yes, Frankie Lemon. So how, uh, you know, R&B singers or I guess they were soul singers back then, how they were such a huge inspiration. I mean, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger says he completely got his whole thing from uh, James Brown, you know, and uh, I think that's really, you know, I think those are, like I said, those are stories that people should definitely know. And it helps you just to appreciate a film like Days and Confused and the music that's involved just that much more. Right. Yeah, I, I think David, I just want to add, I think David Bowie told Nile Rodgers when he hired him to produce Let's Dance that he wanted to make an album that sounded like Little Richard. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my husband's favorite songs, too. That and White Wedding. Uh, <laughs> he loves those. But um, I've always, like I said, I've always liked all kinds of music. And... If you can, if you can identify their influence, or if you listen to a song like maybe you don't listen to rock, but you listen to, you know, David Bowie, and you hear that, you're kind of like, you know what, that's that's kind of because it's kind of disco-y, you know, it kind of had that. I don't want to say it was too disco, but it definitely could have been played at, you know, 
different at discotheques, as they called it back then. But that's because you had Nile Rodgers, you know, who had that influence. But if you're able to identify the influences that people showcase or highlight in their music, then, like I said, then it's easy for you to kind of cross over and become a fan of different genres of music. It just kind of brings everything together. Right. I mean, Nile Rodgers has has influenced about 50 years of music now. Yes. I mean, just from Tina Turner to, you know, um, like Luther Vandross to just all over the place. So fun trivia fact for you. Geffen Records attempted to get up and coming band Jackal to do a cover of Grand Funk's Where American Band to play over the end credits and be released as a single, but... The director refused. And I had to look up who Jackal was or who Jackal is. Have mm-hmm. you heard of the band Jackal? I have not. I was, I'm actually, I pull, I call her Auntie Google. I call Google Auntie. So I was just going to ask Auntie who that was because I'm not familiar. I've, I've just didn't jump out, you know, at me and who that was. But I know that that's blasphemous. Like, I don't care who the band was supposed to be. Complete blasphemy. Yeah. They're mostly famous for. So, so Jackal is more famous for the Guinness World Records they've set than I think mm. their actual music. Okay, because I think they have the records for like most shows played in a twenty-four hour span. Oh, they're one of those. So yeah, so uh, I don't want to say like um, uh, like a, Al, a weird Al Yankovic, but maybe not really taken seriously as a true musician. I mean, they're, they're a real band, yeah. but I. I believe they're best known for having a chainsaw solo in one of their songs. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to have to look them up and, and uh, research that a bit. Yeah, no, that is really cool. I love little bits and pieces of trivia that, you know, that come up, um, especially ones that people, you know, wished were just buried deep. Um, it never it never came up. I love, I love to hear those little salacious tidbits. Yeah, I think it would be really awesome to kind of have a, you know, just a full soundtrack or, you know, just have, I, I saw the second release of the soundtrack um, while we were talking a bit here. I think it'd be really awesome to just have a full playlist of that, you know, go to the beach, hang out for the day. And I think that would be the closest that I would get to, you know, reenacting that experience. You have to have the bully. You have to have the bully. And what show? Oh, he was in France. He, the, the bully that, uh, the older guy. Yeah. <laughs> Kicks some ass. Yes. Oh, that yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and like, I, I know he's not the character, but every, every time I see him in something else, I'm like, oh, he's an asshole. What an asshole. <laughs> can't Clint, right? Yes, Clint. Yes, yes. He got, you know what? That was a good name for like such an asshole character. Because <laughs> he definitely was that. I know my husband just realized the other day that the the young lady that hung around that group that she's a Rabisi, and he hadn't realized that. I was like, "Are you serious?" Like, yeah, they have a, a huge family, and she's one of them. That you know, that actually, if you look back at '90s TV or you know people coming up during that time, it really had kind of like the the A-listers of young adult you know, actors and actresses. They may have not been super known, but they were all on involved with projects that, you know, left a, um, you know, left a, an imprint on pop culture. They were all on very good kind of dramatic actors, I think, up until that point. So that was, you know, this movie was a little bit of a spin for them. Oh, also, um, Marissa Rabisi was married to Beck. That's right. Oh my gosh, that is right. Wow, Hollywood and the way that people get together. Um, I would never put them together if I was, you know, friends with both of them. I don't, I mean, of course, I don't know them personally, but yeah, that, mm, I don't know. She seems very Macaulay Culkinish to me. I don't know why. Like, that's who she would date. <laughs> it's so random. That's, yeah. Back, back in yeah. Macaulay Culkin kind of look alike if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he is a little bit of a younger, yeah, younger Beck. I know Beck is super healthy. He's like vegan to the 19th power. But yeah, that's interesting. I did not know that. That is that's a little tidbit. I think Scientology put them together. Ah, probably. Yeah. 
So hence why they're not married any longer because those marriages are not, they're not meant to last. Uh, another another fun trivia fact, Anthony Rapp, who plays Tony Olson, like the blonde nerd who gets with the freshman, uh, ended up becoming like a big Broadway star. Yes, yes, he did. I He was in, what was a big uh, Broadway hit in the late 90s? Rent. Rent. Yep, there you go. Yes, he was. And I, everybody was really shocked that he was, you know, that he was in that. Yeah, and it ran for a really long time. A very long time. Yeah. He's not the one that just said, I want, I just want to dance either. That would have been funny if his character had said that. And then, you know, he went on Broadway. <laughs> nice little cool winky dink. But yeah, that, um, he was, he was on the table read, yeah? I can't remember if he um, was not. I would, I would assume so. Yeah, I, I think he was. Yeah, well, he was. The, I just want to dance. Yeah. Oh, and the 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 Martha Washington, the the stoner guy, the real real stoner. Oh, Rory Cochran. Yes. Oh, I don't want to ruin it for you, but whew, he has been. He's been he's been on a few mind altering substances. I'd say in the years, for sure. He played the role better than what he played it in the original movie. <laughs> I don't think that was because he's such a great actor. So I'll just say that. <laughs> and, yeah. And like I said, you watch it and uh, it's kind of distracting how, how he's kind of all over the place. But um, they kept, you know, all the other actors, they kept like referring to that like, wow, he, he's, he's really in character. You know, if you've been only smoking for the past 20 plus years. But yeah, he was he was entertaining. Uh, he's a character. Um, I don't know if you've seen Empire Records. Yes. Yeah. He's also in that, and he's you know a completely different sort of character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny because that was all kind of around the same time. The same kind of movies kind of came out around that time. You know, like you said, Almost Famous and Maze and Confused, Empire Records. Friday, which touched upon music, you know, a bit, a bit here and there. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, um, it kind of sets the tone about what the, you know, the decade of the 90s, kind of, you know, how big um, music was. And I think it's because it changed so much because you went from having gangster rap, and I'm doing air quotes like you can see it, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, to alternative, and then back to, to rap, you know, and... Uh, and rap kind of changing over into being a different genre itself as far as hip-hop and this and that. So I think that had a lot to do with the films that came out during that time and how the soundtracks were just so great. I mean, once again, The Bodyguard, you know, right. probably one of the biggest soundtracks in the history of film. Yeah, one um, of three to win album of the year at the Grammys. Yeah, 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 really good. And it's just to think that, you know, she's not here anymore like that's crazy to think that somebody that had such a big impact you know is already gone but then again you know michael jackson prince i was listening to prince's first album the other day and i was just like what why universe like he was saying the greatest and just so prolific on his very first album yeah yeah i mean that's another great soundtrack too purple rain like i said i still love music it's a huge part of my life but i love going back to you know, the music that I listen to, that my parents listen to. Uh, my 12-year-old is super, super, super into 80s and 90s music right now. Like, super. And every song that he swears he he discovers, I'm like, son, I have a story about that. I like this boy in sixth grade, and I dedicated the song to him. So it's really kind of cool to kind of relive my teenage years through him because he's just dead into everything that I listened to growing up. I'm totally going to watch Days and Confused when we're done here, but that is the the happy place that it puts you in. And I think, you know, things are getting a little bit better now that, now that we're out of 2020 and now that we know who is going to be our country's leader and people are kind of breathing a little bit of sigh of relief, even though the corona is on its third, you know, wave here. But I think if somebody just sits down like and, and enjoys a really good movie with great soundtrack, and if it can just for that hour and 20 minutes 
you know, just transform you and put you in that mindset, you know, it, it'll just make your day a little bit better. So that's one thing I will just, I'm going to put out in the universe for everybody. S- sit back with some good music and a good movie and just let your cares kind of wash away here. You know? Yeah, that's great advice. I try. Now, if we were on my podcast, I would also talk about how, you know, you can use the flower power to enhance that situation. But we'll talk about that when you come on my show in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you, MJ, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And a great conversation. Um, I like just super. Um, I mean, I have I have goosebumps this entire time. So you get to know me. Um, I'm a very passionate Aries. I get very excited. I get a little giddy. Um, and that's just kind of the emotion that I've had this whole time. And you just kind of gave me some energy because I was, you know, kind of dragging, dragging ass a little bit before we started. Now I feel like I just want to go throw on some albums and, and put on movies and, you know, and, and take on all the just beautiful things that you can appreciate, you know, about a good film and a good soundtrack. So I do want to thank you once again. You know, we connected, you know, on the platform that we did. Um, I immediately felt a connection. And I've been looking forward to this for, you know, some weeks now. So I yeah, appreciate your time. Yes, I, uh, we will definitely, like I said, be in touch to get you scheduled online. And I would love to maybe cover another movie and another, another soundtrack. You know, yeah, I'd love future. to do that with you again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, happy, happy new year to you and to your family. Please stay safe. And uh, we will be talking soon. And to everybody on your listeners, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed MJ Maven. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.